Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Brace yourselves, winter is coming. What the writers of games, uh, Game of Thrones didn't want to tell you is that Bran was actually in a wheelchair because he didn't trim his balls with Manscaped. Poor guy thought it was okay to trim his balls with a traditional razor or hair trimmer. Not sure what you want as a gift for the holidays? Well, Manscaped is the ultimate gift, and they're here to change the men's grooming game. And you can get 20% off, plus free shipping if you use the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I am talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 4.0. The Performance Package 4.0 is the best in the business. This hygiene bundle includes the Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker, Boxers, Travel Kit, and Liquid Formulations. The new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof with advanced skin safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts, and even has a light to help with your close shave down there. No need to have a red wedding situation next time you're going for a trim. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer can help you whack those nasty weeds in your delicate holes. This product also has proprietary skin-safe technology to help prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. The Performance Package also includes Crop Preserver. It's deodorant for your balls to protect against chafing. Also, their Crop Reviver Ball Toner will keep your boys fresh at all times. Maybe you're on the other side of the wall and you don't know when your next shower is. No worries. The Crop Mop Ball Wipes are for you. Have smelly feet? Manscaped can help with their foot duster, foot deodorant made to fight odors of the dirtiest feet. Want to smell good everywhere? The Refined Cologne by Manscaped is a clean and fresh scented designed for the refined gentleman. On top of everything, they've even thrown in the shed travel bag to carry your goods and the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs to hold the entire package together. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. During the winter, you may be spending more time inside with your balls. Might as well make them beautiful. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code UNFILTERED20. It's time to join the Manscaped movement. These products are snow joke. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 218, the post-Christmas episode. I'm your host, Blaine Putvang. I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good evening. <laughs> Who's delayed because he's in New Brunswick. And <laughs> uh, we're joined by a special guest, David Landsman. What's going on, man? It's good to be here. We're, we're really happy to have you. Uh, David is a born and bred Montrealer, a Habs fan since the very beginning of his lifetime. He's an ambassador for the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundation, a, also a volunteer of the year back in 2018. Uh, and he's, he has a podcast called Shooting the Shit and writes for Habs Eyes on the Prize. So welcome to the show, Dave. You know what? It's honestly a pleasure to be with you guys today. This has been... Uh, couple weeks in the works i'm glad we got this going absolutely absolutely thank you tiktok (laughs) 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 that all for me sharing uh, videos of guys throwing rocks into the water pretty much (laughs) yeah it was sold right away yep it's for the boys right absolutely um so our other co-host uh treg wilson is unable to join us as he is 
somewhere in the ether of Nova Scotia doing family things. Probably so, with a shirt off. God, probably. <laughs> Look at me lift stuff. Ooh, he's getting so, he's getting too weird. swole. Shirt, regular shirts don't fit him anymore. Well, he's going to have to stop shopping at Baby Gap. He's going to have to go to like a, you know, like a custom car cover place or something and make, make his shirts for him and stuff. Because <laughs> he's just like, you can't get over those packs and everything anymore. Or he can go over to Lift Life and use the code unfiltered 20 and save himself some money buying new clothing eh eh not bad (laughs) not bad all right so this episode we're going to cover uh, a few different items uh the world juniors we're going to talk about that a little bit and we'll talk about the montreal canadians first game back post christmas the game against tampa bay and some of the controversy surrounding that game but uh, we'll start with the world juniors so Canada just finished, how do I say this nicely? Beating? I mean, it is like they jerseyed, they, they jerseyed Austria. You know what they did, but it wasn't, it wasn't the typical 11-2 win. Um, <laughs> but, but, it's, but it's honest, though. The, like You didn't see... You didn't see the Canadian players taking runs at the Austrians. Like, obviously, they knew where they were going to win this game. Canada's got much more talented players, and they've got some a lot bigger players than some of these Austrians. And you didn't see any, you know, uh, Austrian player with his head down over going over the blue line and somebody knocking him on his ass or anything. It was once the goal started to get scored, the celebration stopped, and it was like. Let's go to the bench. I'll do my little my little tap, and that's it. And the game goes on. And uh, you know, even though the the final shots end up being sixty four to twenty two for the Canadians, um, you know the the Austrian goaltender he hung in there. He made some saves, and uh, I'm not going to say he gave them a chance because obviously they weren't going to win that game. But it was something that uh, they can look at this game and say, well, we still scored two goals against Canada. They only scored two goals in the entire tournament last year. So yeah. you, you know that Austria is looking at this game saying, we've got two pro- goals on it's, Canada. It, well, it's, it's, a, it's progression. It really is. And uh, yeah. it would have been nice to see Bedard get the fifth goal and, uh, and good on him <laughs> yeah. for scoring the four. This was his opportunity to do so, though, because you're, you're not going to see more than likely you're not going to see somebody score four or more against the Germans and you're definitely not going to see it against the fans. Mm-hmm. So usually, usually once a year, you get that one team that is so far below um, what your team is performance wise. And you've yeah. got that chance to, you've got that chance to break a record, but I don't think it's going to happen anymore, but good on Bedard. And uh, it was a very good game for him. And uh, he's really, uh, He's really got people talking about next year's draft and not, and, and people aren't talking as much about, uh, about Shane Wright. You know, it gives him also the time to just be able to showcase himself, like you said, and it also makes him, you know, get, gain the confidence moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like and, confidence boost for him and his ego and also for the team itself. Absolutely. Like they've already been talking about this kid for a while and saying that he's likely going to be the number one pick. Um, and I think that he's, you know, game the against the U sports, he, he really just pushed his way onto the team. Um, and then, you know, the game against the Czechs and now the game against uh, Austria, he's really some, in my opinion, so far, he cemented himself as the number one pick. I'm, I'm not going to say Mitchkov's going to be a, uh, be a pushover by any means, but uh, whoever's picking one, two in that draft is going to come out with a, a more than likely a franchise player. Well, I know a lot of Habs fans are hoping that the Canadians will be picking at one, two in the next draft, but I don't know if they're really prepared for two years of what we're living yeah, through right I'm, now. I'm, I'm hope I'm not even happy about this year, but <laughs> if they can get a consolation prize as a top five pick and uh, draft correctly and uh, turn that player into uh, into a future, you know, top four defenseman or a future. Uh, top six uh, forward i think that would be a win yeah but you also have to add on to the like, top five draft pick 
that they can progress and that they can actually keep and hold on absolutely. to. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's, let's not forget about Kakinami. He was, you know, he was whoa, a rising star. Yeah. And we thought highly of him, and then. Uh, well, Kakinami was he was thought highly of, but that was a that was a year they drafted for need. Yeah. If they if they drafted based on skill, if they drafted based on um, projection, etc., he likely wouldn't have been picked then. But they drafted for need. And we know where where he ended up now, and um, you know he's one of the more higher paid players in the league. And I'll just leave it at that. It's a little bit absurd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But there's no shortage of Montreal Canadiens prospects at this World Juniors. The Canadians have three. Two of them are captains. One's yeah. Team Canada's captain, Caden Gooley. Uh, Yan Misak with uh, with uh, Chechia. <laughs> <laughs> I had to catch myself there because they changed your name just before the tournament. Um, and we can still say the Czech Republic. Yeah, but they identify just, as Czech. They just identify as. That's right. And, and I want to respect that because it's a beautiful country and, uh, you know, they deserve it. Uh, also, the third, uh, the third prospect is with Finland, and that's Oliver Kapanen, who's their second line center at the moment. So, why don't we go over a little bit about them? So, uh, David, you're the guest. We're going to give you the uh, the floor. So much pressure. Give us uh, give us your two cents on what you've seen from these prospects so far. You know, I mean, Misak was always de- developing so well that they were saying that he's going to be a top six forward in the years to come. And the sooner he gets developed, the sooner he gets brought into Laval to develop his game to bring up to the Montreal Canadiens roster, the better. And that would be a huge boost to them because they need someone of his caliber, his speed, his size, his offensive prow. These are things that the Habs really desperately need this year. You know, and you, we know this because we know how bad the Habs have been this year. As for, uh, as for Caden Gooley, you know, also like, you know, we have Shea Weber who is going to be, who is still active, but we know he's not. And then you have the prospect pool in the defense that is just a revolving door of, Who's going to be our 60? Who's going to be our 70? So having someone of Keegan Gooley's skill also will help Laval and then help Montreal eventually because he's got those skills that we need as well on the back end. Because do you, you think, know, do you think with the depth that the Canadians currently are lacking on defense, um, do you believe that they're going to try to fast track Gooley into the league next year? Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, I, I know that they've done this in the past with players like. You know, people say and speculate and still to this day say about Caulfield, did we fast track him too fast? You know, yeah, he joined the team and, you know, he played, what, two games with Laval before he was called up? And then, like, he played with, like, 15 different teams last year. It was hard to keep track of where he wasn't. But, uh, you know, and then this year, right now, he's been, uh, well, he's been a disappointment. I I hate to say it. So I think they will do the same with Gouli, and I just hope that for him, he can actually manage it because it's not easy to come into a team like that. It's also, especially when you're so young to be just like thrown. And these are people that are great players, but they're not the levels of Ovechkin and Crosby who are not, or McDavid, who are going to be phenoms right away off the gate. And I know this is a little bit off topic from obviously covering the junior guys, but this kind of gets into another question. What about if they are able to sign Jordan Harris? Do you believe that Gooley still gets pushed up into the NHL roster? That's a bit more questionable. That's a bit more of a like a teeter-totter. It's a gamble with both to see how fast you can put them into the lineup. I think only time will tell in that department, though. I think with the new management, however, uh, Gorton's not known for, uh, for being someone who rushes the prospects that he has brought in. You know, Look what he did with the Rangers as a GM. And he took his time with the vast majority of his prospects. Um, and in Caulfield's case, would he even be on the roster right now if it wasn't for the fact that they were basically calling up Trois-Rivières-Lyon up yeah. into the taxi squad with, true. you know, yep. Hillis? They're, they're so depleted that they're bringing up ECHLers to help the taxi squad. So yeah. if they hadn't been so banged up and so depleted, I don't know if Caulfield would be in the roster right now. Yeah, and I kind of feel bad for Trois Rivière because they've been playing some really good hockey, and now all of a sudden they just signed seven players just so they can kind of keep keep their head above water. Well, they have the benefit of that NA, NA, 
LH in yeah. Quebec. Yeah. So a lot of tough guys to pick from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now back to the world juniors and back onto the Habs prospects. What about Kapanen, David? What have you, have you seen anything you like from him? Honestly, I can't say I have seen much of him, but that's only because I haven't been watching too much of the world juniors. Yeah. But you know, having a top six forward, especially at the center position is definitely something to look forward to for the Habs because that's something like the ongoing issue of when will we get that center that we need? And yes. Okay. We have Suzuki right now at center, but he can also play the wing if we need to. So I don't know. Honestly, I'd be honest with to say, I don't know enough about Kapanen moving forward, but I hope, I hope, I hope he's good. <laughs> he seems to be pretty good so far. I mean, I don't see him being a big producer um, or a center when he gets to the NHL. I see him more of a, a third line winger kind of in the, um, the Lekkanen mold okay. with a better shot. So if he got the same chance as Lekkanen has, he'd get a lot more goals, I think. Maybe, maybe even twenty. Such a bad rep. <laughs> that, that poor guy. He is snake bitten, something fierce. Oh my god! Since like it's like his rookie year, and then the constant decline. But he always comes up clutch, and you're just like, where was that during the season? Like yeah. last year when he yeah. scored the clinching goal against Vegas, you're just like, where the fuck was that all year? <laughs> How the hell did he hit the net? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's so heartbreaking though when you think about how many goals the guy has he works so hard to create the chances and if he would just score on a tenth of them he'd be a 50 goal scorer yeah he would be but also he'd have to get the minutes he'd also have to get the time uh, you know i don't think like i don't think he fits into ducharme's mold and that's why there's a lot of controversies if he'll stick around with montreal you know he's getting these one year contracts for that it's like yeah well, it's going to be debatable to see if either one or what the Canadians come next year. I think Ducharme should be done a long time ago, but hey, I'm not saying that. I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying it. Yeah. I, I love Dom. Uh, he, was, he won a Memorial Cup for us here in Halifax. But I don't think he's the right fit for the Canadians. Not with the current makeup of the team and even going into this year when everybody was healthy, which still hasn't happened this year, he's not his, uh, his game plans and his, uh, his mindset and how he coaches and even the staff that he has with him um, doesn't work. We've, we've even seen it with, uh, you know, Luke Richardson is one of the only one, he's the only one that has stayed on other than say Burroughs, but Burroughs came in late, et cetera. But um, everything's changed, right? The defense has changed every the power play is awful. The PK is awful. And it was bad before the injuries happened. Now you bring in a, you know, you literally have the Laval rocket playing right now with a, a few in, in Canadian sweaters. And it's, you know, it's the, the coach can only do so much with the players that he has at his disposal. Yeah. But I don't we'll think get... was actually an NHL coach, to be honest. You no, know, he, he was, a, he was, he was, a good, he, he was a good assistant coach. And there's, well, uh, a lot of, and there's a lot of what ifs right now. If, uh, you know, what if, what if it would have been Bouchard instead of Ducharme, et cetera. There's a lot of, a lot of people asking that question. We're going to get into the Montreal rocket here in a little bit, but we're going to stick, <laughs> we're going to stick with the world juniors. Um, so the, it, yesterday, uh, as we record, it's the 29th of December. Uh, and yesterday the USA forfeited their game against Switzerland, meaning Switzerland gets a one, nothing win. Uh, the U.S. are isolated, and hopefully they can make their game against Sweden t- uh, tonight. Um, this has a huge impact for the group standings. Um, Russia losing their opening game to Sweden meant that the U.S. and Russia were going to be head-to-head on trying to get back to that top spot. With the U.S. forfeit, that opens the door for Russia, but now with Sweden getting, if Sweden gets a forfeit tonight, they're going to get the top seed. However, if the U S show up and win group B is a wide open pool. Now it is. And, and I kind of feel bad for the Slovakians because 
in all in all you know, honestly they got into penalty trouble against the u.s but the last part of that like the third period they were the better team and they were a better team against sweden and it just so happened that uh, the swedish goaltender stood on his head and made 45 plus saves um and now you just you're 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 gifting switzerland a win right we guess and that now you know you got slovakia down in in fifth place and they've got they've got one of the better teams they've had in years yeah so they've got to come out now and they've got to beat um the russians or they've got to beat the hell out of switzerland or whatever and hope that the swiss don't pick up another point because if they do there's no relegation this year but you really did you really expect slovakia to finish fifth in that group not really so and now today if you want me to re- yeah, go for it. come up with the big news, uh, Czechia, their game has been canceled against Finland. That was scheduled for uh, 3.30 Eastern time today. And, um, oh, no. Yes, it was. 3.30 Eastern today. Uh, it was supposed to be against the Finns. And now um, that game is a forfeiture. Finland gets three. Uh, Finland's going to be given a one nothing win. It, it counts as a win. And uh, now Chechia is 0-0-1 and two, and they're going to be another team that's going to be that's going to be looking for uh, for a win against Austria or a win against Germany or whatever. Or actually, no, they already lost to Germany, so they, they they're going to be a team that's going to now have to beat the hell out of Austria to really do anything. I think they can. I, I think if you put yourself against Austria, you have any chance. You should. It. You should. But right now they're running into a scheduling conflict because their game tomorrow is an earlier game. And there needs to be a 24-hour period between tests. And uh, they're looking the way that it is right now if they is to reschedule the game and not and not cancel it. They'll probably the have that, to adjust the, uh, the, the later game as well. So they'll probably yeah. have to move back or swap the two games, make the later game, the early game and their game, the That's later right. game. Yeah. So is they need to have two negative tests within 24 yeah. hours to exit the hotel room quarantine. And if it happens that you are positive, even though possibly your, um, your roommate isn't yourself and your roommate are not able to play in the game. So basically if you're a world junior fan, Check the news at noon every single day yeah. <laughs> to see when the games are actually being played. That's right. That's right. But a, lot of, but, shit. but a lot of people kind of saw this coming. Um, it's kind of, it's a first for, it's obviously a first for us that, you know, we haven't really seen anything like this before, but uh, hopefully this tournament can continue and these players can stay healthy as if not, how many games are going to have to be forfeited before somebody steps in and said, you know, enough's enough. That kind of brings me to a point that I, I was, I was going to make in a future show, but with David here, who who's covered women's hockey as well, um, brings up a really good point. The world juniors for the men's under 20 carrying on apparently no problem. They have no issue with these measures that they've put into place, but the women's tournament that was supposed to start in January canceled why uh, do you want my honest opinion just two letters bs bullshit like i mean come on yeah you know i mean the woman can be just as careful as the men and the men can be just as careful as the woman and you know with uh, with the with omicron variant with covid and everything it's anybody's game anyone can turn sick and within the blink of an eye so to have the women's canceled U18 tournament canceled, like a couple, this supposed to happen now as well as the, the uh, women's tournament. It's just it's so annoying, and it just makes me so angry because like these are players like the rivalry series two games. <laughs> what really make me even more like my skin even boiling more? One of those games was supposed to be in Edmonton, right? One of the rivalry series games was supposed to be in Edmonton was canceled because of the, because of COVID. But meanwhile, the men's can play a fucking world tournament with like 10 teams, not just two, 10. It's, it's, it's really, it's just not a fair game. Yeah. The equality. I honestly, I honestly think it's because of money. The world juniors men's brings in way more money. So they, they pushed it. 
and even well, Luke Tur- and Luke Luke Tardif, even when he said when he released a statement, which I have up here, I'll read in a few minutes. Um, he was the same way. He, there's a there's a section in that that says that it says that it's about money. Yeah, well, I mean, I get that, but it's still like if you want to grow the game, you know, women's hockey players are freaking good. Like, I they mean, are. they're they're highly they're skilled. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so just to have them not be able to showcase themselves and like grow the game that has been so predominantly the big three words for women's hockey, it's really upsetting, man. Like it's yeah. it's sad, you know. Come the Olympics, these are going to be like like the women's hockey division. There's going to be girls watching, being like, "I want to be like Maki Philippe playing. I want to be Absolutely. like Hillary Knight." Absolutely. So, you know, I I went to the one of the rivalry series games. I went to the game in Kingston, and you know, it was a pretty packed house of like it was a small arena. Leon Center was 5,700 capacity, but it was yep. full, and I was surrounded by kids who were idolizing these players, and it was just like made me so happy to see because like i also know like a good chunk of the women's hockey players yeah in canada and to see their faces light up equally was amazing 100 percent. i have the statement here and if 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 i can i'll just read it off really quick so this is the statement from double ihf president luke tardif when in when he was questioned about the cancellation of the tournament if it's a gender issue etc so this is what he said this is not a gender issue. This is a COVID-19 issue. I would ask to turn how I would ask in turn, how is it fair to postpone all the time, the top divisions and always to simply cancel the lower divisions. Those cancellations have affected six tournaments, not just one, including two men's under 20 events that critics seem convenient, seem to conveniently forget. He makes a point there. There's a lot of people aren't talking about the other divisions that have been um affected by this it was a division three tournament they canceled that's right and there's some division but this thing is in china but and and in mexico and a couple other countries however staying on topic with that these are people that are also trying to play hockey and they're trying to move up to the higher divisions and everything like that right so in a normal season we are not canceling anything the double ihf is not in the business of canceling tournaments we are here to play tournaments we were battling circumstances that are out of our control. And to be perfectly honest, we have to think of the future too. Here's the money part. Is there an economic incentive to host the men's world championship and the world juniors every year, no matter what? Absolutely. But people misunderstand that this is because we, this is because this, that this is because we favor men's hockey over women's, which is completely false. The revenue generated from these two events enables our federation to survive and support the operation of all other double IHF world hockey events. So if I ever have to make an effort to host a specific tournament to ensure the survival of other events, then it is my responsibility as double IHF president to do this. The double IHF has run a women's hockey program since 1990 and was instrumental in the integration of women's hockey into the Olympic program of 1992 Our women's hockey championship program has grown to encompass over 12 women's senior and under 18 tournaments and include the participation of 44 of our 82 members, national associations. Our commitment to women's hockey is longstanding, legitimate, and substantial. I am, I and the new IHF council believe in women's hockey. We are committed to investing in women's hockey now and into the future. We empathize with the players and the fans of our game, and we look forward to returning to a full championship program. So that was Luke, that was, uh, Double HF President Luke Tardif. So lots to say there. Um, economics come up. The support of the game is there. But we knew that that's what they were going to say. Money. Kind of a blank statement. A lot of people aren't taking it well. Um, I'm not surprised they're not taking it well. But the economic side is what is really driving this. People are going to want to see and I'm not, you know, punching down at women's hockey or anything like that. But the economic piece does make a lot of sense. People are watching these tournaments, looking at the, uh, looking at the, um, the players that have been drafted, the players that are going to be drafted. There, um, there's you know NHL influence. There's this. There's this. There's this. And and they're they're absolutely right. Well, I have no problem with them running the tournament so that they can make their money. But why is it 
that they can't just run one of the other tournaments, make a little bit more money, and then just prove to the, the world that yeah. it's not just way, and, about right, sex. And, right. And that's the way it should be. hundred percent. Right. That's the one, that's the 100% the way it should be. But unfortunately uh, we don't make the decisions. Yeah. Well, you can say also it's about the money, but it's not about the money. Yeah. When there's fans in the stands, I get yeah. it. You want to have like, you want to showcase and you want to make the money because tickets are expensive. Yep. You want to fill your arena. You want to generate the revenue. But when there's no fans, yeah, it's right. people are going to be saying, I'm going to buy a Conor Bedard jersey for 150 bucks. Yeah. 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 But that's it. There's no like, it's like, I want to watch TV. Okay. It gives you good ratings for TSN, for Sportsnet, all that. That's it. Yeah. yeah it's true. It's true. And, and, and I think the outcry throughout the community, not just through the women's hockey community, but a lot of, um, NHLers, a lot of uh, people in media, etc. A lot of people are talking about this, and I think it's going to uh, kind of put the foot on the neck of future events to say like people want to see these these uh, these women play, and they want to see these young women play, and they have just as much right as everybody else does to uh, showcase their skills. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I used to cover the CWHL for a while too. Right. And when like there was the Canada Denmark and I used to go to watch their games quite religiously, you know, I'd watch with my wife, she was doing her job with the team. I was doing my job covering the team. And I've known some of these girls since they were like 17, 18. Yeah. And when they started saying, we're going to start paying the players do you remember what the pay stipends were, they're going to get paid between two and $10,000 a season, not, not a night, not a week, not a month, a season. You play 28 games, you hustle, you go to practice, you got to supply your own equipment. Yeah. $300 sticks, they snap like twigs. You got to oh, buy it. It's you who's yeah. buying it. It's yeah. not, it's not, it's not, you're not sponsored by Bauer that's going to say, oh, we're going to give you a ticket. You know, yeah. yeah, you have a few people like you got Natalie Spooner and some of those players that were sponsored, but they were the lucky ones. That's right. Uh, like Anne Sophie Bete. Like, I mean, I don't know if you guys know who she is. Um, you this is the thing. The only way, the only way that you're going to see these women get to that level of the sponsorship and everything is that for them to actually play hockey. Exposure, yes. right? They, exposure, exactly. right? They need exposure, and unfortunately, with this day and age, you don't get it. Yeah, it's just it's it's kind of sad, you know. I mean, like I remember talking with and Sophie Bete, like I was talking. She and I have known each other since she was 18, and I was 19, and I've known her since she was like you know Sejep to university to the Montreal level. And like she was a financial advisor Monday to Friday, nine to five. She'd finish her day on Tuesdays and Thursdays at five. She'd drive over to the rink, finishing a full day, changing from her work outfit to her, you know, her hockey uniform, practice for two hours, then go home and then maybe retreat for a little bit of relaxation yeah. before going right back to sleep and going back to work. And then playing between one and three games on the weekend. And she was paid about ten thousand dollars for the year for that. It's kind of messed up in so many ways. Yeah, yeah I agree. But, but sounds like my life, except I don't make two to ten thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. But no, that, that's the thing. Like, how are we going to grow the game internationally if we're not showcasing the talent that's there now? Like, I understand the COVID regulations and everything, but at what point do we say, if we can run it in Edmonton with the men's, why can't we just do a bubble and shorten the tournament even for the women's tournament? Just to, I know TSN's dying for hockey on their on their broadcasts. They, since they've lost the NHL, they'd love to show that. Yeah. Showcase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, right and now, I, let's go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry. No, no. And I like how I like how uh, like Ontario has reached out um, and, and said, "Well, we'll we'll have it here if need be, if 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 that if that's possible." But nothing's come of that yet. But I understand. But more than likely, that it's just going to be it's going to be canceled, and we'll see what happens next year. But then that kind of that sucks for the players that have worked that hard to make this team that are now going to age out. And they're not going to be able to be on that team next year. Exactly. Sad but true. 
on that sad note, we'll move on to the next sad note, which is the Montreal Rocket. But before we do, a word from our sponsor, Boxing Rock Brewing Company's Puck Off Beer. According to local folklore, Boxing Rock is where bickering seamen were left by their captain to sort out their differences. The choice, box until one could return to the ship or shake hands and share a beer. Either way, there are only a few short hours until high tide. We say drink up. Boxing Rock, puck off Loggerdale. If you are 19 and over and live in Nova Scotia, uh, simply follow Habs Unfiltered on any of the social media sites. Share our uh, share a story as to why you like our show, why you enjoy beer, and you may win yourself a free 12-pack of Boxing Rock Puck Off Lagerdale. So that's the good news. And now the bad news. And I've got some worse news. Oh, God. Breaking news in Montreal. Forward Paul Byron and goaltender Caden Primo both placed on the COVID-19 protocol list as of today. Son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Primo was just called up yesterday. That's right. So they joined Dauphin Hoffman, Lekkonen, Toffoli, who was already injured, Sherrod Edmondson, who was already injured, Petrie, Weidman, Jake Allen, and goaltending coach Eric Raymond, who are in COVID protocol. Oh, my God. So that means McNiven is finally going to get his call up to the Montreal Canadiens. It's looking that way. Because he's on the taxi squad. Yeah. Either that or they just, you know, Brandon Baddock's a pretty big boy. Just put pads on him and just put him there and see what happens. Actually, I think he has played in net a couple times. Professional. I wouldn't be surprised. Or at least punched a goalie. One or the other. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So as I said, I said, uh, it's, it's been a tough season. And I've brought this up multiple times. We haven't seen this team at full health all year. And every time it seems like it's going to happen, you lose somebody else. And uh, this is a far cry of what the roster looked like last year. And yeah, you look at cap friendly and they've got a pretty good team on paper, but if uh, most of them are mending injuries, you can only do so much with what you got on the ice. I just want to put this out there. If they're looking for a 46 year old winger who can take a punch, I'm available. <laughs> I can't skate backwards, but I live near the Bell Center. Sack. <laughs> <laughs> Done deal. Oh my God. <sighs> All right. So it just gets better and better for the Montreal Lyon at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the Canadians played last night. So if you were a hockey, a Team Canada, Montreal Canadiens fan, you had a busy night last night with Canada playing Austria, the Canadians playing Tampa Bay. Uh, if you watched the Montreal Tampa Bay game, then you would have seen a Canadians team who actually played a strong structured game, which is very out of the, the usual norm for the Canadians this season. Um, this is supposed to be a game that Tampa should have absolutely pummeled the Canadians. I mean, like you just rhymed off a half dozen, what about almost a dozen names? And that's not even, that's not even two the in, thirds of the injury yeah, list. Yeah. That's not even the injured players. Yeah. 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 So Every, when, everybody's kind of forgot about them. Yeah. You know, yeah. Josh and Josh Anderson, Dvorak, Carey Price. Keep going. Keep going. Dave Weber, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So it's not like the Canadians are playing for a playoff spot at this point. It's no. more, it's more for pride. It's more for uh, setting themselves up in the long run. I mean, these are guys fighting for jobs, so they're going to yeah. have to, you know, they're, they're not going to just roll over and quit. Well, they're trying so to impress the They're trying to impress the new boss. That's right. And we don't even know who the new boss is going to be. As of right now, it's Jeff Gordon. He's the one calling the shots. He's the one running the show. And, uh, Trade deadline's coming up. Trade deadline's coming up, and the, a lot of these guys are going to need new contracts. They've got to, if they want to show that they're going to be there or they're going to be there next season or be a part of the future, and they've got to come out and they get a play. And last night or, they actually did so. Or catch the eye of another GM from another organization. Yep. Yeah, yeah. 
100. Well, it's also like we were talking about the women's game, but it's also a big showcase for these guys. It's a, and the World Juniors. It's a showcase for the young guys now. Yeah, yeah. You know, we got players like RV Pernard who has never played in the NHL before, suits up, scores his first NHL goal. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, you know, 100. Yeah, and he scored. He got his first assist. Yeah, you got uh, you're getting a lot of the the young guys who are starting to show what they're made of. And that show that they're, they're good to stay in Laval to grow their game to come up to Montreal eventually. Absolutely. Yeah, and the young guys all played extremely well. I mean, Schooneman, he had the assist on that goal. Uh, but for the most part, through the, through the night, you barely noticed him. And for him, that's a good thing. That means he's not making mistakes. He was, he was able to control what he can control. The game around him wasn't getting out of control for him. It wasn't, uh, they weren't overpowering him. So that's, that's a good sign. Uh, RHP, Lavaliger, he was doing exactly what he was doing in Laval. He was going to the net hard. He was, he was wreaking havoc. He was a little, little cannonball going in there. And the goal he scored wasn't, you know, Hey, the puck went off the back of my leg and then in. No, he, he fought for position in front of the net and he tipped top shelf a pass from the corner. So these are these are good signs. Caulfield even had a great game. He set up the goal for Cal Clegg's first NHL goal with a nice cross ice feed. All good signs. So if they can go through the season like this and play this way, even if they don't win, that's what we need to see from them. Yeah. The unfortunate part that I saw though when I watched the highlights and kind of watched a kind of a you know, a Coles notes version of the game. Um, even though Harvey Pinard scored and he played with some tenacity, um, that's kind of given that Lavaliger nickname, he played the least at anybody on the ice. And um, are we surprised? And, right. And somebody like Paling, who they're trying to push up the lineup as well, he played, uh, he played less than a guy like Paquette, who did finally get his first point with the Canadians last night. Same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, I had this discussion with someone yesterday about pocket versus <clears throat> paling and the younger guys. And the discussion about the ice time was, well, pocket plays the penalty kill. Yeah. But why does he do? And I asked, well, why? Well, if he's dressed, he may as well play. And I'm like, yeah, that's not ring. That's, that's not a ringing yeah. endorsement that's right. to play someone above one of the younger guys who are actually that's exactly playing it. well. Right. He was 30% on faceoffs last night. So it's not like you can say, you know, you like to have a player, you like to have your third or fourth line center be like the like the shit when it comes to winning faceoffs. He's not that it's not the case with with him. Right. Do you remember the days of like Jeff Halpern going out there and winning face-offs or, you know, when Konopka was in the Islanders or something like that. Like those were, those were their roles. They were out there. They were defensive centers. That's what they did. Manny Malfoy, right? you know, yeah, like exactly. they, 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 they hone their game off of doing those kind of things. And Paquette is not that like, I think a lot of people, you know, saw him come in and maybe the Canadians organization were like, Oh, maybe he's going to be the pocket rocket, but not happening right? <laughs> you went there i went oh. there it was, awful. it was awful it was awful but i went there just like minus his, one just like his play this season minus 13 <laughs> yeah. no i mean you know what the thing is i think he was brought in solely because of the fact that his name is paquette like i mean yeah. yeah he hasn't contributed enough to really turn heads or anything but you know you do look at the positives also you guys were talking about the fact that they had a good game despite the loss they put up four goals. They did. And also, look, this year has been really hard to do. Yeah. You know, they've been and a having... lot of people are going to look at it and say it's because, you know, it's Maxim Legacy that was playing in net. But Tampa still had the majority of their players out on the ice, including Braden Point, who came back and obviously had to score a couple goals in the win. You looked at uh, but you, you but you look, but you look at their lineup, Kalorn, Point, Stamkos, Palat. Corey Perry, um, you Hedman. know, uh, Pat Maroon, Hedman, McDonough, Bogosian, et cetera. Like these are, these are, these are everyday NHL players. And also they also, they also have a lot of their team from last year's cup run. Yeah. hundred percent. And their cup win still yeah. there. 
And yeah. one of the few new faces is Corey Perry, who was with us yeah. and now has researched his career. I mean, I'm not saying he's the best of the best, but for a guy who was 36 and still contributing as well as he is, yeah, damn, yeah. wow. And, and it's kind he's of a clutch funny. player you know, too. He, he scored, Absolutely. you know, obviously he scored another clutch goal against the Canadians last night. Um, and everyone kind of made the joke like, oh, well, maybe Montreal should have re-signed him. And it's like, well, I'm sure if they could have, they would have. But they went for Cedric Paquette instead. That's right. <laughs> right. So I mean, that's a win. <clears throat> yeah, and, and, and back to, to the legacy of being in net for Tampa Bay. How many times have the Canadians been burned by a seventh-string Quebec-born goaltender yep. who just yep. becomes a Vesna Trophy winner in that game? Yeah, they, they finally broke that that streak. So that's to me, that's a big deal too. Yeah, but you look at a team like Tampa, they're 21 6 and 4 against the Canadians, or 7 21 and 4. And barring some shoddy officiating, the Canadians won. Which we're going to get won, into. Yeah, would have won that game. Which is a great time to segue to that shoddy officiating. So after the game, this is the, we're going to directly talk about the disallowed goal that uh that brendan gallagher scored yep. uh, after the game uh ducharme had <laughs> i hope he's got a twenty-five thousand dollar paycheck coming to cover this fine but uh yeah. he said he was clearly pushed towards the goalie so it's certain that if it wasn't number 11 it's probably a goal yep 100 true and i completely agree with that and a lot of the media I know Eric Engels was very vocal last night about the officiating and about yeah. uh, some of the calls that were made. And like, you can even, you can even make a, like that's the worst, that was the worst of the worst is that goal. And the fact that it led to a power play goal on the other end for Tampa was kind of just like the knife in the back and, and yeah. with the twist um, you can even question the overtime winner. Oh yeah. That, that overtime 36 seconds was like, Everyone was falling like flies and was yeah. like, where's the tripping call? I'm confused. Well, Palat, Palat nailed the defender Pulak. in the corner. Yeah. Absolutely flattened him. Yeah, was and cool... some people thought that maybe that should have been a call. I don't think it was. I think it was a clean hit. But there were plays leading up to that that could have yeah. easily been called. Yeah. yeah. Now, it, it seems like a revolving door, though. Montreal yeah, but, is like, know, but, what, but what would the optics have been for you know, two-time defending champ, uh, Stanley Cup champion team, the Tampa Bay Lightning, to lose to Laval. Who gives right? a fuck? Exactly. But that's other than that's Lee, what. Up, but, but that's what ended up happening last night. the The officials called the game to make the team that was supposed to win win the game, and that's what happened. It did seem that way. I mean, that high sticking call against Pizzetta being a four minute minor was absolute bullshit two for sure because it was a high stick guaranteed two minutes but if you're saying that the day was bleeding after that i mean yeah sure on the inside but there was no blood like you'd see yeah again gallagher comes into play here he would take a cross check to the teeth and there'd be no call and the the excuse is well maybe if he were taller yeah yeah but look at some of the calls last year during the playoffs. There's been, there's uh, some very uh, popular photos that came out with Perry's visor being covered in blood or Gallagher's face being covered in blood, and there's no call on either of those plays. But Perry's getting those calls now. Why? What's the curse of Montreal? Seriously, it is the curse of Montreal. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, we haven't had a cup in Montreal in 28 years, and that's fine. But it just seems that every single time Montreal gets the, the, like a call maybe in their favor, it's going to be overturned. Yeah. You know, like I remember like every time I watch a Habs game and they say, we're going to the war room in Toronto. I'm like, well, no, I don't need to, yeah. I don't need yeah. to watch yeah. the next five minutes. I know it's yeah. a no goal because it's yeah. against Montreal and you're going to Toronto. Yeah. Even though it's clear that it's a goal. And this goal. one, this one, I don't know if it's worse, but it's right up there with the other goal that was called back this year with when, uh, when uh, they use the TSN 5G view to show Gallagher's ass and the blue paint. 
Oh yeah, the goal against Ottawa, where he yeah. <laughs> he he touched the def- uh, touched the goaltender, and yeah. then three three and a half to four seconds later, giving the goaltender more than enough time to recover yeah. and move into position, which he did, yeah. and it still got called back. Yeah. What's well, the because Gallagher that's yeah. yeah it's it's rule number sixty nine point sixty nine the galley rule any yeah, goal Gallagher scored by Gallagher can... near the crease will be disallowed. Maybe if Gallagher switched back to 70, what, 73 when he first came into the league? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, maybe if he switched to that for the, like, the rest of the year or something, next. it's like, oh, my God, he's a 40-goal scorer. He has all these goals that are, gonna, are starting to count. No, I just think it's like Gallagher has got such a bad rep. You know, we were talking about it off the cuff, off the air, that, like, it just seems every time he's going to take a puck to the face, he's going to take a high stick to the face. And, yeah, okay, he's 5'8". Okay, we get it. He's short. Yeah. Whatever. But still, he has gotten so many – injuries for stupid yeah. reasons or like getting the bad brunt because like he's the guy who's going to be in the front of the net like we talked about yeah. he's going to be in that position but then he's going to play against defenders like Hedman who's 6'6", six, six, right. Charo who's 6'9", you know yeah you're because you're short and you're in front of the net he's supposed to sneak in there but I'd love to see him I'd love to see him get a, a you know a benefit of the doubt call every now and then but done. It just won't. doesn't happen. But like the thing is, like you have like a guy like Marshand. I hate the guy with the passion, but in Boston, he also has the spot right parked right in front of the net. But he's and he's five nine. He's not much bigger. Yeah. But he doesn't even get that. But then again, if he does, he licks the other person. But still, that's I mean, right. Yeah. <laughs> or bites them. <laughs> it's just it's yeah. it's really a bad rep for Gallagher. That too. Yeah. Yeah, it does seem that it's totally the calls are being based on his reputation. <clears throat> because other players can do the exact same thing and the call would go their way. Like the excuse the league gave was that his stick touched Legacy's leg. And that's why Legacy couldn't get across. But his stick was where it was because he was pushed into that position. It's like the league saying, well, yeah, he was pushed, but his stick wasn't so too bad. Like he didn't move his stick in time. Yeah. Like, what? The, yeah. come on. He wouldn't be where he was if he wasn't being shoved into the goaltender. His stick wouldn't be where it is if he wasn't being shoved in the goalie. Yeah. If you're going to shove a uh, shove the forward into your goaltender and the puck goes in, too fucking bad. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. But rule 69.69 states that any goal scored by Gallagher near the crease must be disallowed. Okay. So I'm wondering now, I'm wondering now, you got the Canadians team that just, or a Laval Rocket team that just pushed Tampa kind of to their brink. And then obviously when Tampa scored, they celebrated like they just won the cup for the third time. Now you've got a team that's got a little bit of momentum, even though they didn't lose, even though they didn't win that game. Now that's you're going to get two straight games, right? And now you're going, now you're going against Carolina who are equally a pretty good hockey team. I'm just wondering now that Primo is on COVID protocol, do you go back to back with Montembeau or do you think McNiven's going to get an opportunity? David, you're the guest. What do you oh, think? Man. Um, I've been a very big advocate that I really do not like Sam Montembeau. I also think, like like the other case, like with Paquette, I think he was brought into Montreal because of his name being Montembeau. Yep. Because he has not proven anything of substance that says, wow. I think I could have said that he made a glove save that was nice maybe twice this whole year. You know, I mean, I think that McDiffin should get a shot. And also, moving forward, you know, Carey Price is not going to be in that Montreal for a long time to come because of his injuries, his mental health also. So you need to have a backup you can rely on. And Jake Allen, I mean, yeah, he's done well for us. I think his time is running to an end with Montreal. So then it Very becomes well, game be. primo. And then who goes in Laval? And when will McNiven get his shot? He's never, right. he's never had a shot because no. he's always been in, in the background. That's right. Everyone. He's been ride, riding the pine for somebody else. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, no, like even like last year in Laval, it was Kane Primo, Charlie Lindgren, Michael McNiven. Yeah. You know, he never really got Yeah, got and then chance. even when they had, uh, even when they had, uh, oh my God, what's his name? Who's in New Jersey with uh, the Rangers now? 
the one that did all the emojis and stuff. He was that he was that memorable. No one yeah. remembers him. The only one I can think about the Rangers is Jason Messiah, the guy who's six six foot and eight. No, but I'll look it up. You guys continue to talk. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think honestly, McDivin is right now like you know it's his time to shine. Keith Kincaid. Oh, okay, blockade. Yeah. Right, but Keith Kincaid was the same way. When yes. they sent when they sent him down, he was another guy that he had to play kind of second or third option to. Yeah, and now he's rejuvenated his career in New York. Yeah. The thing is, is that we don't want to have these people like McNiffin is not getting any younger. No, no. And, and he was, you know, what this is a guy that was Ontario goaltender of the year. Um, nobody kind of knew how Montreal got their hands on him because they've already, they already had a very good crop of young goaltenders. And, I, you know, this is a guy that I like to see given the opportunity. If Primo can't go, Montembeau's not going to be with this organization. You never know if, if McNiven's going to be on his way out after this year. He, I'm going to say he likely will be, but give the guy his opportunity. Um, you look at Fukali, and Fukali was picked X amount of years ago by the Canadians. Finally got his opportunity to play, picked up a shutout, and it was a few, and then obviously the um, players returned to health and he went back down to Hershey, but it was a feel good story. He played well. And give McNiven that opportunity, even if he's even if he lets a few in, it is what it is. Like give give him the one shot. You're 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 not Montreal is not going to go on this massive run and all of a sudden win the Stanley Cup. It's not going to happen. You know, see, Zach got promised a chance at a call up. They said, yeah. "Look, nothing's guaranteed, <clears throat> but if we run into injury problems, you're going to get the call up and you're going to get a start." You know what's funny? I will speak about Fukali. I remember when he got that shout out. And I was literally, I was turning to my wife. I was like, when's the last time Fugali got a shutout? Did he ever get a shutout in his career? And then I looked it up. I was like, holy shit, that was his first NHL game. Yeah. You know, like I remember watching him in the, in the preseason in Montreal when he was first called up, then the second year, and then the third year. And it was just like, man, this guy gets a bad rap. I know you're playing under Carey Price, but still, come on. So McNiven yeah. should really get a chance because if anything, it will showcase him for the other teams we can probably boost his morale for himself and also for the trade value coming in. You know, look at Link, Link, Charlie Lindgren right now is in St. Louis. He's five and oh, he's got like a one twenty two goals against. And you're just like, huh? where the hell was that? Where was that? <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, he did okay with Montreal, but he never really got his chances because he was playing under a tandem where, you know, even if the other one was injured, he wouldn't get his chance. They, they would put massive gaps between his starts. They would, it, he wasn't given the, uh, the supports that he, you know, you, a young goaltender needs. And this is where the new management can selfishly delineate themselves from the old. And I say selfishly as stating that they can set themselves up to look good in the future simply by saying, hey, look, you were kind of messed around a bit under the old management. With us, we're going to give you a chance. Now, obviously, it's because, you know, three of your top four goaltenders are now on COVID protocol or injured, but it's an opening. So we're going to give you the chance. Here's your NHL game, because after the comments that McDivin made earlier in the season, I thought for sure he'd be traded midpoint through a game at some yeah. point. Yeah, you would think that he would end up somewhere in another but organization. Give and... him his chance, especially against a team like Carolina. You say, you know what? You want your chance? We're going to give you a chance. We're going to put you up against one of the better teams. Yep. Give her, show us what you got. And someone like McNiven, who's a very, very competitive young man. I think he would show himself well in a game like that. Yeah. But even like you said, even if you get shellac for eight goals, who cares? At least, at least he had a game. At That's least, right. At least, he, at least he had a game. I said, Montembeau is not going to be there long term. Montembeau is like a career HL backup. You know, like he's that bad. He's really like, I mean, there's nothing that I can say about him. He's the Francophone Scrivens of this rebuild. Even Scrivens did better than him. I know. Ah. Like, I, you know, honestly, I would sign Scrivens right now. I, I mean, I think he's a free agent. He okay. is, yeah. He retired only three, four years ago. Call him back. Yeah. All Vancouver told him we want a lack back. It's just like, oh my God, I feel just so bad for these people that get the bad rep. It kind of makes me think of like McNair, uh, McNair, McMarin, McCarron. McCarron. Yeah. 
Yes. It was like wild blank in our words. Like, you know, yeah, we knew that he was not going to be necessarily amazing, but he was a first round draft pick, but never really got a big chance with Montreal. He'd come in once in a while and you'd be like, oh, cool. You did that. You played three minutes. Good for you. Go back to Laval or yeah. go back to Hamilton. Go back. Yeah, to but now he's, now he's an NHL regular playing exactly. solid minutes. Exactly. It is literally, there was so many curses with Montreal. It's kind of redundant, ridiculous, not redundant, ridiculous. But. And, and to finish the show on somewhat of a good note, talking about the, the curses, um, Devontae Smith-Pelly is returning to the Canadians organization, signing a PTO with Laval. He signed this yesterday. He, he was in literal tears when he left the Canadians organization the last time. And there was some, some issues when he left, but now he gets to come back and prove himself with the organization that he truly did enjoy playing for. So here's a, here's a golden opportunity for yet another young player. Well, in his case, he's, he's a bit older. He's about 29, 30, but I think this is someone who could, you know, showcase himself well in Laval and then get the call up to Montreal and get NHL games again this year. Also, he could sort serve as a mentorship role. You know, I mean, like it sounds silly to say, but he is a cup winner, you know? Yes. He's a cup winner and he's healthy and he's someone who can actually take the players under the wing, kind of like a Corey Perry, a little less, but Corey Perry style leadership role, play the less minutes, but still be there to help the younger guys and be like, this is what you should work on, or this is like, you know, what you should do. Or even just say, like, let's go out for dinner. Well, maybe not dinner, but let's go have lunch together in in the uh, in the room. I don't know. Yeah. But in the common area. I'm trying to think of like what you can just do in Montreal now. It's like not much. You can't really go to dinner with a friend. No. <laughs> so. But the, it's it's a this is something that could turn into a very good feel-good story for uh, a, a guy who's nearing the end of his NHL shelf life before he takes off to Europe to finish his career off. I mean, you're right. He can play a very good mentorship role and and could be a very good example for the young guys to show them just don't quit. Mm -hmm. For sure. I mean, like you look at his backstory about how he came into the NHL. It's not your typical, like, you know, kid who's playing hockey all his life. It was, he started late, didn't he? He started like 11, 12, I think. I mean, I don't So, you know, it's kind of fun. I don't know. I, I think it would be really fun for him, like you said. Yeah, he's no Ed Jovanovsky starting off at uh, late 12, 13 years old. Jovokop. <laughs> Man, that, he never skated before, and he could, he could skate like the wind the second he touched the ice. Bastard. Should we bring him back, too? I can give him a call. All right. Well, there were my skates any- that he used oh. to go skating. Oh, I'd take anybody. Cool. Take anybody at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's just a matter hey. of time where someone else was either going to go down with an injury or COVID. So that's right. We may as well have a couple guys on speed dial. Well, hey, Eddie, now they, come on back, buddy. They, now that they got DSP, you know the next call is going to be uh, the Montreal Canadiens have uh, signed uh, Alice Hemsky. To... <laughs> oh, just wait for it. Wait for it. He never. He Much never right. had his. He never had his chance. He was the best. Have to wear number eighty three. Yeah. <laughs> He's the only one. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> so is Galchenyuk the next signing? Like, what's going on here? No, man, he's he's playing. He's playing now. He's in uh, Arizona for the yeah. second best team in the NHL. Yeah. Yeah. Do they count as an NHL team? They got more NHL players than Montreal does right now. They got Clayton Keller. So they're check. Yeah. And Jacob Chikrin with his minus 30,000. <clears throat> Yeah, again, plus <laughs> minus bad stat to use for a player. But you know what Montreal is doing? You're <laughs> minus 30. We want you. You're <laughs> minus 30. If you were in Montreal, you'd be minus 35. Yeah, you fit. Yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah. I mean... He's a fantastic player. Though. He, he is. Really, I, I was, I was able to see rat. him play a little bit in junior. The kids, he's a fantastic player. And I, I honestly, well, because like everyone's talking about him coming to Montreal to be with his his uh, uncle, you know, and that's cool. But will his uncle last? Who knows? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Say no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think that pretty much does it for our show. I mean, we've rambled on for about an hour, a little bit more. Um, 
So I want to thank everyone for listening. Check. Uh, I, I know we had a bit of a break there, but I mean, it was Christmas. So I, we all needed a little time to sit with our families and get yelled at and talk to that racist uncle, you know, usual family stuff. Uh, before <laughs> And before we sign off, I want to give David a chance to uh, tell you guys where you can find him and his stuff. So I do write with Habs Eyes on the Prize, though it's been a little bit of a time. I'm starting to write back up also with the Puck Authority. You can, and you can find me on Twitter at MTL, at, at the rink, all one word, M-T-L-A-T-T-H-E-R-A-N-K. Give him a follow, guys. I'm a nice guy, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great having you on the show. I, I it's been fun having you. We'll love, we'll get you back on again sometime soon. And uh, congratulations and good luck with the the new baby on the way. So Thank you. uh, <laughs> you're going to need it. Trust me as someone who's got several children of his own. Good luck. You know what? I can't <laughs> wait. I honestly cannot wait. Yeah. I don't <laughs> it was a pleasure being with you guys. Seriously. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. So uh, again, to our listeners, thank you for listening. And remember, if you were talking about it, so are we. Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.